0: Introduction to Neurodiversity in the Workplace. Brought to you by Assemble You. It's time to work on you, so sit back and listen to practical, actionable advice to accelerate your progress. In this track, we'll cover definitions of neurodiversity, the value and importance of neurodiversity, guidance for promoting an inclusive and accessible workplace. Let's start with what we mean by neurodiversity. ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, epilepsy, Tourette's syndrome, autism and other learning and mental health differences form part of the neurodiversity spectrum. A non-exhaustive list of neurodiverse famous people whom you may not know includes Virgin founder Richard Branson and IKEA founder Ingvar Kampven who both have ADHD Ghostbusters actor Dan Aykroyd who is autistic and singer Billie Eilish who has Tourette syndrome. Indeed, specific traits can be of great advantage if appropriately nurtured and supported. Many people with ADHD are more spontaneous, creative, energetic, intuitive, imaginative and inventive. They also have the ability to hyperfocus on subjects that interest them to a far greater extent than their non-ADHD counterparts. And many people with Autistic Spectrum Disorder, ASD, may bring a host of advantages to a role, including but not limited to memorising and learning information quickly, logical thinking ability, being precise and detail-orientated, being dependable in regards to schedules and routines, able to concentrate for long periods of time when motivated, a capability for alternate problem-solving. Gareth Staglin for Forbes writes, Neurodiversity is the recognition that people experience and interact with the world around them in many different ways. It rejects the notion that there is one right way of thinking, learning or communicating, or that differences in the way people operate or behave should be viewed as deficits. Nearly 15% of the world's population, 1 billion people, experience some form of disability. In the US, this includes 2.2% of adults who live with Autism Spectrum Disorder, ASD, and the 4.4% living with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, ADHD. Rebecca Bastian's research, covered in their article for Forbes, explored how people felt neurodiversity was a professional asset that they hoped would be embraced and valued by their employers. Individuals linked their neurodiversity to innovation, creativity, problem-solving, and challenging inefficiencies. They advocated for employers, in particular, to appreciate this. One participant spoke about the risk of managers being too prescriptive about how things ought to be done and how this can stifle creativity. They said, Please don't try to mould neurodiverse people into your linear structures. It will destroy the unexpected possibilities and stunning results. This speaks to a broader need for society to reassess harmful perspectives on disability. The narrative around disability ought not to centre on inability or lack, but on variation, structural change, advocating for real accessibility and challenging discriminatory practices. When companies embrace neurodiversity, they gain competitive advantages in many areas productivity, innovation, culture, and talent retention, to name just a few. Think of new insights, experiences, and alternative methods and genuinely value difference. As Gareth Staglin writes, many companies rightly view race, gender, sexual orientation, and other measures of diversity as a source of strength. In the same way, People who are neurodiverse bring distinct viewpoints, lived experiences, and creative instincts that might not otherwise be represented on corporate teams. Indeed, an HBR article titled Neurodiversity as a Competitive Advantage found that a growing number of prominent companies have reformed their HR processes in order to access neurodiverse talent. Among them are SAP, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, HPE, Microsoft, Willis Towers Watson, Ford, and EY. Although the programs are still in early days, SAPS, the longest running among major companies, is just four years old. Managers say they are already paying off in ways far beyond reputational enhancement. Those ways include productivity gains, quality improvement, boosts in innovative capabilities, and broad increases in employee engagement. So, Helping to unlock the full potential of neurodiverse employees is an exciting prospect, but how can you do it? As with all colleagues, genuinely accepting and valuing someone's commitments and contributions is a foundation for allowing someone to feel safe and welcome at work. If you are a manager or HR professional, one way to promote genuine inclusion is to ask everyone what they require to thrive at work. Having to ask an employer for something can be intimidating and stressful, especially for someone who may have a difficult history of being belittled, mocked or ignored. So it's important to be proactive. Find out what your company already offers in this space. Are there any employee resource groups, ERGs, to contact? Can adaptations and accommodations be made as a standard practice, giving everyone a safe space to discuss their needs and feel comfortable in the workplace? Genuinely listening goes a long way. Finding out about the barriers a person faces day to day outside of work can be valuable if they feel comfortable sharing this. Going into a conversation with an open mind is crucial. Be prepared to identify adaptations you might not have thought of before. Find out what works best and be empathetic. If your colleague shares the nature of their neurodiversity, do your own research to understand it better. As Lubmilla N. Praslova's article for HBR powerfully attests, autism doesn't hold people back at work, but discrimination does. That article examines how feeling excluded and invisible is typical for neurodivergent people, how workplace bullying is commonplace, and how damaging stereotypes can lead to isolation and low confidence. It highlights some incredibly powerful statistics – In the UK, the unemployment rate for autistic people is as high as 78%. In the US, that number jumps to 85%. A 2020 report on UK employers shed some light on these numbers, as 50% of managers surveyed admitted they would not hire neurodivergent candidates. (laughs) This all relates to having an authentically and consistently inclusive workplace culture, free from prejudicial working practices. Systemic change is needed, but as an individual, you have the agency to make changes too. Don't, for example, ask how someone works best and then berate them for not keeping to a conventional working style. If you've asked someone how they best process information or how it's best to communicate an urgent request, don't then rely on an old or inappropriate approach. Something might be unfamiliar to you, but that's not a reason to revert to default working methods. Ask your company how your recruitment processes might reinforce a rigid way of identifying skills and competencies. For example, a candidate might be perceived as rude or disinterested by default if they aren't making eye contact, but consider whether this could be linked to neurodiversity. If someone's behaviour in the workplace seems abnormal to you, Consider whether your automatic assumptions could be a barrier to making a colleague feel accepted and welcomed. It follows that, when both employers and employees can have open discussions about finding ways to work more inclusively, that helps break down barriers and remove stigmas. Be clear and unambiguous in your communication, but most of all, if someone has explained how they work most effectively, make sure to align with that. Something being spoken about openly Signals that an organisation doesn't feel ashamed of their employees or of catering to their needs. It reinforces that your desire to create a more inclusive workplace is meaningful. One-to-one check-ins can be great for clarifying that established patterns are still working. And if not, you can work to amend your approach. A crucial takeaway is that everyone is different. The key is not to make assumptions. Be cautious that you're not presuming something is a universal experience. One person may appreciate quiet areas, headphones to prevent auditory overstimulation, or flexible working hours, but these may not be important to someone else. Adjustments to technology might be needed for another individual, but there is no one-size-fits-all approach. If you don't take the time to recognise someone's individual experiences and needs, it could be perceived that you don't have genuine respect for that individual's needs. As a manager, make sure to listen. Be flexible, and importantly, strive to create a space that encourages employees to be their authentic selves. Charlotte Valour, the founder of the Institute of Neurodiversity, makes the important point that marginalised staff doing extra work voluntarily can be exhausting and lead to burnout. Allies are so important in the workplace, so the emotional and practical load doesn't always fall on the shoulders of certain colleagues. Doing your own research is essential and absorbing new information is a must for navigating topics that are new to you. So, this week, why not focus on what you are doing to challenge discrimination and do some independent research on neurodiversity? There's a podcast episode to listen to in the reading list attached to this track. Think about the assumptions you might make about someone's behaviour and think about the last time you asked your direct reports what they needed to thrive at work. That's all for now. Have a great week.